What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, April 8th. This week on the podcast, my friend Clement Young joins me to discuss, well, blockchain and many other various topics. We talk about Medellin at large, gym, athleticism, generation norms, entrepreneurship, culture, communication, and and a whole bunch of other stuff that isn't related to blockchain. But if you skip ahead after the first hour, that's when we start talking about it. Anyways, if you have not already, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about this wonderful conversation and, of course, about blockchain. Enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. So how do you normally like... Okay, you're using GarageBand. I'm using GarageBand. To edit this. And to yes. record it too. To record it, to edit it. Like, I just don't see the point in getting software. Right. Because you and, can achieve the same result. Using yeah, that. everyone's like, you get this software and you'll make the best podcast ever. And I'm yeah. like, my podcast sounds exactly like yours. I'm not paying jack shit. Right. It's like that guy who wants to go to the gym and buys all the equipment and then doesn't really work out. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. Like, you, <clears throat> you don't need super fancy hundred dollar dumbbells when you can get any kind of dumbbell or just pick up the same amount of weight yeah it's like 20 pounds is 20 pounds because i feel like i'm that guy <laughs> right now yeah yeah it god that annoys me so much when people get like super fancy shit for the gym yeah and they just think they're they're awesome and that they're like making all these strides and gains I did go backwards else. like i did start that way i think and then as you kind of like go along and you learn how to do things and how easy it is to do things you kind of like maybe just lose that along the way so now I don't really care I don't take anything to begin with when I go to the gym I don't like take a pre-workout which a lot of people do I used to do that yeah I used to that all the time in high school just get insanely out of my mind and you know what I learned what do you mean like out of your mind well you with the caffeine sometimes it's caffeine but they, they put all this kind of stuff in it like there's different pre-workouts I used to use that are completely banned now <laughs> and I have some of it in small quantities on the shelf still just because maybe one day it'll be worth something just as nostalgia or I'll need to go like full on Popeye and <laughs> so what are we talking crazy. about here like epinephrine things like that no just uh, different stuff that really gets your adrenaline going like because they can take all these molecules and flip them over and um, and have the same molecule. It's, they do this all the time in the drug industry. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll take certain molecules, and then they'll get banned certain drugs, and then they'll come up with a new drug that's just the same thing. It's just they add an extra carbon to it. Right, so it doesn't meet yeah. the classification anymore. Yeah, so now it's it's completely new. You mm-hmm. know it's technically the same thing. Maybe it just takes 10 more minutes to kick in. Right. So And they can keep doing that over and over and over again. That's why you see so many drugs come out. Like, like cough syrup and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and different drugs that are banned. They, they come out with new drugs that are exactly the same as that. They're just maybe a little less effective or take a little bit longer to kick in. Mm. And you get the exact same benefit. And that's why people abuse them still. And they find new ways to abuse these drugs. I don't know if it was Generation Iron that I was watching when I saw this. Maybe it wasn't. But there was an, a documentary done by you know, like a, kind of like a young filmmaker and discovered that the uh, supplement industry in the United States is completely messed up. Anybody can create any kind of supplement, label it as a supplement, put health benefits on it, slap a label on it, and push it out there. I mean, as long as the ingredients are legal, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not it's not hard to make a supplement. It's, it's just what you put into it. Like with pre-workouts, <laughs> the best ones 
are the ones that are now banned because they gave you so much energy. Like it's it, besides yeah, caffeine, it wasn't caffeine. It wasn't caffeine at all. It just naturally got this crazy rush of energy. And yeah, it's probably not good for you long term. <laughs> yeah, no. but you, I'd take them before pre workouts because I mean, <clears throat> as we were talking about earlier, like with sports and everything. When I was in football, right, you got to go to the gym every single day, and on Sundays you're doing cardio. So and a lot of students are actually taking these. You had no energy. Is that like a normal thing for students? So it's like, okay, eh, not for students, but a student athlete. Student athlete, yeah. Or a high performance student athlete, one that has to perform all the time at a high level. That's pretty shitty because the, there's a pressure there, isn't there? It's not like you're doing mm-hmm. it because you want you want to see the you know the results for yourself. It's like you're trying to pass right a test exactly, <laughs> and you're you're ruining yourself to do it. It's it's terrible. I mean. The, <laughs> The, the best part about taking the pre-workout is you go from having absolutely no energy and feeling like life sucks to immediately, mm. it, you might as well be on crack. You're like, you're just like, let's go lift the shit out of this entire gym. Yeah. <laughs> and you walk in there and you just destroy everything and then you leave. And um, the, the funny part is you get the same benefit, in my opinion, that you do if you just go and focus and listen exactly. to music. But I mean, when when you're constantly tired and your body's broken down, you just can't curl anymore like mm. I feel right now if I were to take a pre-workout I'd jump in the gym and start curling the shit out yeah. of everything yeah yeah um, which could be good if you need to push your body but I mean in most cases that's not good so I mean the best approach to the gym is you know, if you're going to do a pre-workout just honestly just have a cup of coffee wake yourself up drink a lot of water yeah you know I feel you're... like if you don't do that if you don't take a pre-workout go to the gym mm-hmm. Okay, it's going to suck for a while, especially if you def- definitely if you've been using pre-workouts. But if you go for a while, your body will get used to it. And you it's almost like you're leaving that energy dormant when you've taken that for so long. And then you go to the gym for the first time without it. It's like you're mentally unprepared. And your body doesn't react the way it should. Mm-hmm. But it'll just take a few days. Take It took me a while. I used to drink Red Bull all the time. Like, and that isn't exactly a, you know, a, a heavy thing, but it definitely isn't good for you. No, none of that's good long term. But my, my routine, I just I just drink like coffee or something. Like anything that just wakes you up and then as soon as you get into the gym and you get your body moving, do a little bit of some dynamic warm ups or mm. um, you know, you get your once you get your blood flowing, you're usually good. Exactly. You just gotta get your body warmed up. But no, I'm not taking any more pre workouts. It's just too intense on the body and it just it forces you to just go in and destroy your body and you just you don't have to do with all that energy. Like, it gives you an insane amount of energy. Like, I don't understand the whole point of a pre-workout unless, like, you have to perform. That's it. That's really it. I think right. if, you're, if you're supposed to be an athlete, if you're supposed to perform, yeah, fair enough. But if you're just a regular person, that's what it is. That's what screws me up about the whole thing. It's like a normal person will be, like, not going to the gym because they don't have their pre-workout. I'm like, dude, just go to the gym. Right. <laughs> really, just, you don't even need it, right? Right. And you're we, lying and we to put yourself. all this emphasis on the fucking gym, too. Like, 80% of actually getting bigger and stronger is eating. Hmm. Gym is a small part of it. For sure. We were just talking about that earlier as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of things we talked about that we did not talk about so far on the podcast that might make their way in. But like you were, so we were saying, um, going every day to the gym is just like a habit, right? It is. It's a habit, but it's not necessarily the best way to do it. Well, you should have a habit of going to the gym, but you have to remember that your body grows when you put it through shock. Mm-hmm. So if you go and do the same routine week in, week out, 
um, great, you're in the gym, you're gonna get fit, you know, but you're gonna hit a plateau. And when people hit that plateau, it's because they get complacent with their workouts. You know, they're doing the same curl routine. You know, they're doing the same press, the same uh, amount of time on the treadmill. They're not pushing their body um, out of their comfort zone. They're not progressing. No, they're not. And that's yeah. that plateau. It's, they're hitting that plateau because they're not pushing their body beyond what they're comfortable with. I feel like I hit a lot of plateaus, which is why I brought it up, mm-hmm. when I found myself going to the gym too often. Right. So it was like my body wasn't able to repair properly before the next workout. Um, so like if I've taken like a day or two off, I've seen some of the biggest gains I've ever had mm-hmm. just by simply and, and that's resting. I mean, the whole point of going to the gym is to tear your muscle fibers. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to the gym every single day at all. I mean, there's so many different ways to go about doing exercise and working out and you can achieve the same results. Um, but that's because going to the gym is like 20% of it. Yeah. Like most of that entire process is rest and eating, rehab and stuff like that. Because if you are, if your body's still broken down, you're going back into the gym, either you're going to the gym too much or you're not giving your body what it needs to build to keep it in an anabolic state. Right. It's in a catabolic state. Rest. That's the opposite of what you want. Yeah. So you have to rest. You have to put yourself in a good circadian rhythm with your sleep so you produce better hormones. Um, so your body can grow and repair. You have to eat. You have to eat all the time. Like, if, if you want someone's to, done that before. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get larger, you just have to eat a lot. Yeah. You know, and if you want to lose weight, then you have to. You still have to eat properly and consistently, but you have to just uh, tweak your diet. But I mean, if you don't incorporate the right diet into what your goals are, you're not going to see your goals. I promise you. Yeah. The, the point of the gym is to tear your muscle fibers. Yeah, for sure. That doesn't do anything if you don't, you know, give your body what it needs to grow and repair. Yeah, I was looking at um, Hugh Jackman's post today on Instagram. Apparently, it's Wolverine's uh, anniversary today. Um, and he was like, you know, thank you so much for the role. Thank you so much for the years of boiled chicken breasts. Yeah. I mean, like, it really is kind of like that. I remember learning about his routine. He had most interesting workout routine I've ever seen. I tried to emulate it for a while, but it was very difficult. Okay, what? what so, I mean, I mean, obviously he had his a special workout routine, everything, and exercises, everything he had to do, but I mean, most of it came down again to his diet. Um, because for the role he was playing, not only did he have to get larger, totally, totally, and, but he cut. also had to be cut at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. And you generally you can't do that at the same time. There's a process of bulking and cutting, bulking and cutting to get the physique you want. But he didn't have the time. Yeah. So he had a special trainer. He had a special program, um, a special diet. And I know that he was um, in his video shoots, um, or film shoots, or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> he was like pounding protein shakes before takes, in between takes. Really? Yeah. He he had to find a way to bulk up while losing body fat right. at the same time yeah. and he would do that by eating a lot of lean food and that's hard because it's hard to put down certain lean foods so like chicken's easy you know brown rice is good stuff like that but I mean over time 
it's so bland yeah, yeah. And, and you can't add the sauce you know it's the you, opposite you of getting fat right i mean like you can get fat really quick using and just eating fast food but imagine if you're eating tons of chicken every single day yeah there's tons there's of brown rice every it. single day you'd hate life that's making it attractive to your body like once your body's had enough of that your body's like i don't need any more but if mm -hmm. when it comes to fast food it's manufactured mm -hmm. in a way that makes it addictive like right. you're actually literally seeking out that that feeling so yeah it's hard it's very hard yeah, I don't I don't actually eat like that and I don't think I ever really have ate that consistently yeah but um, you know all, all the years that I I've won bodybuilding competitions before um, and uh, I think you know at the end of the day it really is an understanding of the overall bigger picture the whole concept of just like balancing out your right. rest workout intensity and your nutrition as well yeah yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. <laughs> I think we both talk <laughs> about fitness so much because like we've both been involved with fitness a lot. I know, we talk about fitness for what, 12 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we should just name a fitness podcast. Let's just start one. Yeah, this is now the Blockhash Fitness <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah, bro. But uh, Medellin, man. We're here in Medellin. We it's are really here in Medellin. amazing. Love, this, Love this place. It's the first time I've been. And I just think it's like magic. It is. There, there's so many great things about Medellin. Um, Colombia in general, like I'm hoping that I can like maybe go to Bogota or Cartagena or something for maybe a weekend or a couple of days while I'm here. Um, so it'd be nice to see more of what Colombia looks like because you do kind of get stuck in this beautiful bubble here in Medellin. But I mean, oh, I'm very much aware that this is not <laughs> Colombia. Like <laughs> this is Colombia, but it's not Colombia for foreigners. <laughs> uh, but. You know, the thing I like about Medellin the most is the people. I know we've talked about that a billion times too, but it's mm -hmm. it's amazing how you know you could lose your wallet in a country like Colombia and someone <laughs> go through yeah. the effort to get it back to you. I know you. someone that happened to. Out of the goodness of their heart, I know in America that, that shit would have been gone. Yeah. You, you never got your wallet back. I wasn't surprised <laughs> when I got I, I wasn't actually that surprised because for some reason, I think because of the thing that happened with my passport when I first yeah. got here. Uh, with it having fallen on the pocket in the car uh, and then me having spent the night with the taxi driver trying to find it in the airport. You know, he went with me. He didn't have to. I didn't really give him that much money for it at the end. Mm -hmm. So there was no agreement that he was going to get paid for his time. But he offered to go with me. Um, he's quite a smooth dude, so I guess he knew he was going to get something. But still, you wouldn't expect that kind of level of engagement from someone in New York, for example. No, it'd be or, like, good luck, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Um, but uh, no, maybe not that bad. But so, so when that happened and we found the, the passport at the end, I'd already kind of like solidified at least what to expect from people like cab drivers. Right. And then so when I lost my wallet, um, I sound like a real, uh, sound like a real dip, but uh, when I lost my wallet in, in the next cab, um, yeah, it wasn't a surprise when I got the call. But that was like three days later, and you've been trying to find me on Facebook and Instagram. It was incredible. I'm just impressed how lucky you've been. <laughs> With all the <laughs> there, shit there's definitely losing. something watching me. <laughs> yeah. I am a very lucky person in life, though, and I'm probably like, I don't know if this is going to affect my luck moving forward by talking about it, but like, I'm very lucky. I'm not superstitious. But I'm definitely lucky, and I think luck is... I think you're lucky enough to get away with that statement. So um, yeah, right. Okay. We'll find out. Yeah. But no, the people are fucking great. I, I've, I've been here quite a lot, and I've been here for quite a while, and I've never had an issue with people. Yeah. Never. Like, I, there's, there's plenty of times where people will be, like, hustling and shit and trying to... Have you ever to, had like, anything really kind of... No. Someone come up to you try and steal from you? Never. I've been, I've been in some questionable areas, and I've obviously been in some... 
I'm in a nice area, mm-hmm. and I've had plenty of people, you know, come up to me and try to hustle and like anything, even if it's just trying to convince me to give them some money. Right. You, you witness some of that too. Oh yeah. You know, and most of the time they they handle it well and they walk away and they don't give you a problem. I mean, I've honestly never had an issue. It's just their mentality here. I think it's just politeness, really. It's just like giving them dignity, you know? I think yeah. if someone feels that they don't have dignity from you, they want to attack you. They want to make you feel what they feel. So I'd never try to make someone feel bad right. for what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, I think that's what it is it's for like me. this Medellin hospitality. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. they're very good to white people. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like that in the Philippines like, well. okay, if you're tall and you're, and you're white like an Eskimo, you're probably from America... You got dollars, then be nice to you. <laughs> right. Well, it could be that as well. I think I think that's part of it, but I think the other part of it is just, in general, it's just their culture. I think they're very nice. Yeah. And um, it could be that Western culture is somehow sought sought after a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like put there, put up there on the pedestal. They they are kind of outside of that, aren't they? Like, there's all this Western Western culture, Eastern culture. No one really talks about Latin America or down south, huh? Not really. I think it's one of those places where, you know, they're just doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then I never really thought about visiting South America or Latin America until now. But I'm so glad that I did because there's so much culture here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I've never planned on coming to Latin America um, and, until I had people tell me that it's honestly incredibly life-changing and completely different world than what's actually portrayed, especially in the U.S., because um, all, all we get are like narcos on Netflix and, <laughs> and um, oh, Venezuela is um, falling apart and everything is dangerous and you're going to get killed and everything. And everyone's trying to steal your shit. And I'm like, well, I've never experienced that. Right. You know, I've, and I've kind of tried. Like, I've, I've, I've tried to do incredibly normal things I do in the U.S. here in different areas, too. And just nothing's happened. Mm. And I don't know if it's just that they look out for you, they're just nice, but it's it's just weird. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is to do with family, family mentality. Yeah, that's part I, of it. I think we're starting to lose that. And I'm from the UK originally, and you're obviously from America. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on, but I feel like we're just we're having trouble holding on to our values, right? I that, think part of that's changing generations, mm. and I think we're. I mean, there's obviously high divorce rate in America, um, a lot of marriages aren't really happening anymore, yeah. a lot of people have incentive to um, either live with somebody in a, uh, how do you say it, um, like mutualistically, but without any kind of like marriage or anything like that. All right, okay. Um, and that's why you see some like co-working spaces right. and stuff like that, and there's a lot of people, not just in my generation, but that are younger than me too. They, they like nice things and they like to spend money, but they also like bargains. Yeah. And they also like uh, to be smart with their money. So that's why you see so many co-working spaces. That's why you see so many people living together. And that's why you see um, housing changing in a lot of ways too. A lot of people would rather live in an apartment with a couple of people than own a house. Right. Um, or any kind of setting where that they can um, share certain facilities or share... Um, the costs and certain things. It, they, a lot of people younger than me, and in my generation too, I guess, they, they like that ability to not have to waste money, I guess, on what I don't you don't need they, to waste money on it, yeah. which can be good, but it's also, 
interesting because it's a completely different change in values. Like, who's going to buy houses if that keeps up? Like, who who's going to be... Are they going to actually live off a lower income or a lower wage? Who's going to actually get education and go to school? Who's going to go for those? Right, if this keeps, if this keeps going and the trend is going. Right, like, what's going to happen if everyone wants to stay home and, and play um, games online right. and um, live in and work in co-working spaces and whatnot? Like... Is that really good for society? Like, mm-hmm. how many people can we really allow to do that? I feel like we're coming to a head with that. And I don't know, maybe a recession or change up in the markets would kind of shake those things up. But I think people are just getting used to having a different lifestyle. Like, we have all this technology. Everything's at our fingertips. Comfort, convenience. Yeah, everything's at our fingertips. Everything's on demand. There's a, there's a Netflix uh, stand-up comedian. He's a Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched his uh, watched his show the other day. Very funny stuff, man. Talks about Amazon Prime. Talks about exactly what we just discussed. Yeah, Amazon Prime now. Amazon. You know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, but I feel like I feel like just like any any other kind of trend. It's usually like a, like a curve, isn't it? So yeah, it's gonna it, come back it's around. It's like that in Vegas. Like you can get anything you want in Vegas, almost twenty four seven. You can get anything on demand in Vegas, especially through Amazon. I mean, you can get anything in two hours. Mm. Um, I mean, for a first world country, that's even impressive too. And you can live in the suburbs and for sure still have access to the city. And um, I, I don't know. It's just it's just different. It's like there's so much comfort in society nowadays. Like you, you can work from home. You can. Um, lower your costs and your expenses you don't necessarily need to make an outrageous sum of money to live decently if you're really that smart about it mm-hmm. um, and while that comes with a lot of problems I mean it's also just a fact that it's just changing the way society operates I think the more interesting thing is how is society going to look in 10, 20, 30 years if like this trend keeps keeping up mm. well that's why I like seeing people like Gary Vaynerchuk come out and really make a a huge impact in terms of pulling people back to what's important right in terms of their values and their principles and how they see things superficiality is just one of those un, like negative kind of human traits that we have which is growing out of control because of social media because of right. you know the emphasis we put on 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 the importance of stuff outside of ourselves so Gary V I I really like that kind of that growing wave of influencers that is now trying to pull people back. Yeah, I, I like Gary Vee a lot. I, I think I like most about Gary is he's taking these things like social media, for example, that are causing a lot of problems um, with youth, mm-hmm. that are causing a lot of people to um, be consumers in a lot of ways um, rather than actually contribute something to society. Um, and he's taking that, kind of flipping it on its head and saying that you need to produce more content. You need to actually produce something rather than just consume. Yeah. Like instead of looking at this as a device um, where you can just constantly absorb information and content, useless information and content, why don't you actually use it as a tool? You know, why don't you start looking at all these things in society not as um, a level of comfort but as a way to further yourself? Yeah. or further your career or whatever it is and he has a really interesting way of doing that he, has I think actually, he speaks uh, their language I think he, he does yeah he seems very very in tune with it and he's been right about many many different things he's been right about Uber he's been right about TikTok mm, he's um, kind of like clairvoyant isn't he he's just yeah he's just really dialed into that 
Um, and he, he does these um, episodes where he goes to um, yard sales and garage sales. Yeah. Have you seen those ones? I've seen them. Man. And They're he amazing. buys up a whole bunch of things that he thinks has have value, and then he flips them on eBay. Yeah. And it's smart. It is smart. And you know, I'm surprised people it's actually don't do that. It's not sexy, though. No. It's smart, but it's not sexy. And I think that's really the distinction that No, but he's teaching people how to hustle. Right. He's, he's teaching you how to go out and find some opportunities. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm actually saying it's good because maybe someone who has two opportunities in front of them, one is an incredibly good long-term opportunity mm-hmm. that's very uh, stable, and the other one is a very sexy short to mid-term opportunity, very unstable. And they'll go for the, the latter one because it's just, it's more appealing, you right. know, for whatever reason. And I think that's also, you can also talk, t- say that about investments in startups. You know, they're, they're sexier than putting your st- money in stocks for like Target or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though, you know, long term, that might actually return more. Um, so, it, yeah, he's, he's kind of rewiring how people think about what, what's important. Is it the sexy thing or is it the thing that's going to actually work? Right, right, and people they get addicted to what's easy, what's comfortable, um, you know, and what's just right there at their fingertips, rather than digging deeper and finding the value in that, yeah. um, and using these things as tools, using these things to promote what you're doing and to grow, um, whether it's yourself or your business or whatever it may be. That, that's what I like about Gary the most. He really flips that stuff on its head in a lot of ways. He's also like super addicted to collecting baseball and basketball cards right now. Yeah. And those are the ones that are like, well, he's kind of likening them to investing in real estate, right? Because their value, the valuation is going up so quickly. I, I mean, I hope so. Like, I have a hard time seeing his vision there with baseball cards and basketball. Cards. I thought you were gonna say, I, I hope so, because I have a whole cupboard full of them at home. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I've thought uh, about it. I'm like, maybe I should go out and start buying some, and then I'm just like. No, I got, I, I've got I don't know anything about do. baseball cards or basketball cards, and I have other things yeah, to do. Exactly. But I mean, the the lessons he's teaching are, are good. Like, yeah, but I mean, if you go like a full time day job and you have time in the in the evenings, you can learn anything you want. Like whether it's baseball cards and how to value them, or whether it's how right. to code, or or anything. I, I I'd honestly would rather learn how to code than collect baseball cards and basketball cards. Right, because it's not like you're putting all your... I, I'm just not... I don't care about baseball mm, cards mm. and basketball cards. Like, if someone wants to collect them and flip them and hold them, whatever, like, I don't care. Fine, do that. It's awesome. But I don't really see the value in that. It's it's like me collecting U.S. dollars after the world collapses and saying it's going to be worth something again one day. Well, let's be honest here. What is Gary Vee talking about this? He's obviously already heavily invested in sports, so that's where his preferences are. Yeah, he's looking at the value in, in pop culture and you know what we generally consider to have value, and over time, yeah, sure, those basketball cards, baseball cards, they probably will be worth something in time. Yeah. But there's a lot more I just don't practical care about things baseball cards. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree with you. I was actually going to ask you something. Um, we're talking a lot about how youth struggle, and I do empathize yeah. with Generation Y, for example, incredibly, because they're they're in a situation where, in my opinion, they've got a lot of inward growth to mm-hmm. go through to to actually get back to center and and right. function happily in society and culture, but. Do you feel like ultimately everything we talk about, even other issues in in society, can be kind of 
drawn back to parenting. Yeah, I think it all is drawn back to parenting. I mean, I think what a lot of what shapes these different levels of generations, um, it's our environment more than anything and what your parents and grandparents pass down. Like if you look at your parents, your grandparents, they were probably uh, very influenced by what happened in the world during World War II you know, in Vietnam and stuff like that. It was just a completely different time. They didn't have all these distractions. They didn't have the internet at the palm of their hand. Right. You know, everything worked completely differently. They had to hustle harder. They had to work harder, do gritty things that don't even exist anymore. Like, factory-type jobs that don't exist anymore. Like, things you have to do with your hands have become so specialized that you don't need a mass amount of people to do it with modern machinery and the internet and AI and stuff yeah, like you that. Would, you wouldn't be barraged by, like... Exactly, and that, that will likely... Yeah, that will likely never come back. So those that environmental lesson will never be taught again to another generation. So what are these generations learning? They're learning from their current environment. When you're born into a world of social media, into the internet at large, um, into um, comfort and into accessibility and um, AI, VR and AR and drones and blockchain and whatnot you have so much that you can do without having to you know change who you are and adapt to your environment like maybe your parents or grandparents did like you don't have to get down and dirty with your hands you don't have to do the gritty things yeah. like if you want to be a farmer i mean you don't have to get down and dirty anymore there's so much technology available to farmers if you really wanted to farming could be fairly simple for you and mm -hmm. you you would have to learn completely different things that your grandparents and parents would have never known how to do yeah. or would have ever had to do um think about that on the flip side though actually yes and and as a result industries like fitness are booming industries like personal development meditation are booming right now mm -hmm. i just i heard that calm had gotten quite a few hundred million dollars for investment so it's it's like it's like how do we counteract that or, or bring people you know back to those original kind of skills that we had before, which were just actually happening as a result of just living, but now aren't. Or do we? Like that's the other question too. Like as the world is evolving and we have different needs and wants, do we really need to learn how to shovel coal into a into a steam engine? Oh well, no, I I don't I don't think so. But I feel like the whole process of doing something with your hands and moving your body sure. and and having that time while you're doing it because you're not answering emails. Sure, but I mean, people could do that in VR too. They could do. I mean, I think what I think the important thing is the value that's behind that. I don't think it's necessarily that they have to go and shovel coal. No, absolutely not. But I mean, sure, I'm sure shoveling coal would <laughs> teach them things. <laughs> It might do. Let's try it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it's the value that you, uh, the the lessons and the for sure uh, the things that come out of doing that. I think there's different ways you can do that with, you know, the world we live in today. I just yeah. think that's not promoted. Yeah. You know, we live in such a consumer world now. We're not out producing and creating in the ways we used to. Um, and not saying that the world we live in is bad, but I mean when you're able to stay at home and order a pizza and uh, work remotely because you're a freelancer and you write essays for college students so they don't have to do it. 
Is that what you did? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an example of, you know, the lifestyle you can live and the lifestyle people are actually starting to live now. You can stay at home. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You know, you can live off smaller amounts. Yeah. You have access to decent food that's incredibly cheap, depending on where you are. Um, you have everything at your fingertips. Um, you can do everything on the internet if you really wanted to, mm-hmm. without even having to step out of your house. That's the that's a scary thing. It's it's feeling so comfortable that I think is the problem. And I, you know, my grandparents, my parents, you know, um, I don't think that they were necessarily comfortable right. with um, the things they had to do to create a lifestyle for yes. themselves and for for us and their kids and whatnot. Um, and I think about that all the time, and I'm like, well, I mean, with everything I can do, I mean, it does make my life a little bit easier and more comfortable. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work. The work's different. Like, instead of shoveling coal, I'm like, I'm looking at a computer screen for eight hours yes. to make the same amount of money. I think it's easier to, I think it's easier to coast by these days, you know, just doing the minimum. Yeah. Because before, um, and I wasn't around at the time, but I know that there was a heavy emphasis on doing your part being part of the community and not fucking up and right. showing yourself up. It was a certain shame associated with it. And I think today people people don't care about that that much anymore. But, you know, like I'll get questions sometimes from, from people saying, you know, younger people saying, um, I'm worried that I'm on the wrong track. Mm-hmm. And I'm 36 years old, so I'm not old, but I'm definitely not young. Uh, and there, there are two prob- those, there's two reasons why though that people young people feel like they're on the wrong track or they feel lost. You know, one is that they have so many options. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the problem with the internet and having all this connectivity. There are so many things you can do, and you know, one and you just don't know what you want. It's like, like going to a restaurant and the menu like, is so huge. And you just yeah, it's like, like okay. it's like going to Cheesecake Factory. The menu's so fucking big, you don't know what you want. Like one minute you want a burger, the next you want pasta, the next you feel like you just get the salad. Yeah. Like <laughs> the the other problem is the educational system. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of young people that go through the educational system thinking that there's something they want to do and they burn themselves out trying to get there and then they realize that it's not going to get them the job what's going to get them the job is the experience and they're like well shit spent all this money have this piece of paper i was told this is all i need um you know and then they they can't get a job they can't find a job because either they're being out competed by someone that's been in the industry for five years ten years already um, and then they have to get down and dirty and learn for a long time. They're not willing to do that, and they want to change their career path. And did you um, finish your degree? Yeah. Okay. I got I got my degree in neuroscience. I wanted to go to medical school, mm-hmm. and then you know same thing happened. You know, um, I was actually with Seraph at the time. I was actually in Brazil when a lot of this happened. Cause right. I, I had just got my degree. Went down to Brazil. It was like one of the it was the first place I went to in Latin America, if you consider Brazil Latin. I think it's Latin <laughs> America. They don't, because they don't speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese, and they hate being compared. So Right. Um, but, yeah, someone told me the, 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 the criteria to meet for all the different labels. Right. But I think it is Latin America. Anyway. Yeah. There's so many people that told me when I was down there, smart people, very smart people, you know, in Seraph, outside Seraph, don't go to medical school. Don't go to medical school. Don't do it. 
don't do it. Like, unless, unless you really, really want to do it, don't, don't do it. And I'm like, well, shit, like, I spent all this time, all this time, money, energy, long nights, um, uh, like fighting to get a degree, um, you know, and taking the MCAT twice and everything. And, oh, okay, I'm not going to medical school. Let's, let's do blockchain. <laughs> Be- better to cut, cut your ties early right. than to actually go through the whole thing without wanting to actually be there. Exactly. I didn't have to wait that long, luckily. <clears throat> I already screwed up before I could de- graduate, so mm-hmm. I left university the first time. Mm-hmm. I had studied computer networks, and it was boring for me. It's so boring. I'm a creative person. My, you know, my, my brain doesn't work that way. So I did it out of fear. I did it because I thought that that's what the market was, uh, was saying was in demand. Right. And I wanted money and I was chasing money and I feel like that's been a recurring theme in my life so obviously for people who are listening what I'm essentially saying is it doesn't always work out if you're gonna chase money if you're gonna chase things that you think are good for yourself but you're not really evaluating how you feel about them right um, I did one degree in computer networks didn't pass I went into another one which was a passion of mine but for whatever reason stopped um, and, then, and then started doing marketing but that was natural health naturopathy so you know I tried a few different things and at the end of the day I don't think like institutional education is anywhere near as, as, as important as it was you know like for example like uh, at the end of uh, at the at the end of last century or the start of the, the uh, this century uh, sorry last century so um, I, I, yeah I, I, I think if you want to be a doctor obviously if you want to have something that you, you couldn't learn online Mm-hmm. If you want to be an expert in that, then you should go. But if not, you can learn whatever you want online. You, you, it's really up to you. We have the right. world's library at our fingertips. Exactly. You know, it, and there's a lot of, it depends on what you want too. Like, I know a lot of people that, you know, they just want to work. That's just what they want to do. They want a job and they want to work. Um, and they're young and they're flexible and, they, and they'll ask me too. I'm only 25 and they'll ask me. And I'm like, well, if I could go back to college, I would study computer science and I would learn to code as much as I could possibly code. And then the, the world would be at your fingertips in the age we live in, and you'd be able to get a really good job. Yeah. So if you, if you wanted to get a job and you're in school, you're going into school, that's what I'd say to do, honestly. I mean, people hate being told to learn to code, but I mean, I mean that's the world we live in. Yeah. If, you, if you can code, you can pretty much get a job anywhere, and if you're a good coder, you can get a good, really good paying job. I was actually looking at the top paying jobs uh, about a year ago. Right. Data analysts, obviously, uh, leading the pack because mm-hmm. of big data. Um, and there are certain languages that you can learn within that realm that will give you great salaries, if that's what you want. Actually, LinkedIn came out and said that blockchain was the number one job in demand. So, so coding going, for blockchain for going since 120 yeah learning right. how to code in um, solidity or that's Haskell. the one yeah solidity yeah. seems to be the number one it's, uh, it's growing because ethereum is the biggest and ethereum requires solidity right um, they're not very flexible with that um, so yeah if you want to get into blockchain ethereum is the biggest one you can only learn solidity and then there'll be a boom in coders that learn solidity solidity on the flip uh, side if you're not into that kind of thing and mm-hmm. you don't work that way and you're more of a people's person you're more creative like me um, learning and development uh, expenses are greatest for soft skills development mm-hmm. so because everything's becoming automated and we're obviously um, not doing a lot of the technical things we used to there's more of an emphasis on person to person 
you know, kind of uh, skills. Yeah. So you can start learning about uh, leadership, communication, uh, and anything that relates to, to, to working with other human beings. And that will become, it already is, but it will become even more important as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agree. You know, going back to Gary, too, another thing he always uh, has talked about, like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, like, you want to either own a business or work for yourself um, or start a company or whatever it is, start with building your own brand. So, like, if you're, if you're young and you're fresh out of school or you don't want to go to school, start figuring out the things you like, what your skills are, and start building a brand around yourself. And that's the great thing about social media, if you use it correctly, is you can build a brand around who you are as a person and what you do and what you like and you know, you'll start figuring out what you want to do from there. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been totally right about that, and I've taken a lot of that to heart too, and have tried building a brand just just around my name. And then out of that has has come a lot of interest in blockchain. And out of that has come the podcast, and it's been just going fantastic. So that's what I also encourage people to do too. Like if you want to be an entrepreneur, and we're kind of in a golden age of entrepreneurship and startups, and you have everything at your fingertips, so why not? Yeah, if, why not? If you're young, why not? Um, build, learn how to build your personal brand, who you are as a person. Yeah. And, you know, that'll continue to grow if you're consistent and you put out content and you produce things for people to consume. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe it, it, some people are worried about going over the edge and mm -hmm. actually committing to it and committing to failure, actually. Right. Because it's not going to be something that you get right from the first day. Oh, no. And you'll learn along the way. You'll learn what's working and what doesn't, and you'll adjust it. And but I think it's just having the um, the self confidence to to produce things, whether that they're going to be consumed or not, whether they're going to get comments or not, or likes or not. You just have to produce it anyways. Yeah. Like like who, like yeah. In the beginning, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a perfect Gary V video. It's not going to have the perfect quality. It's not gonna be the perfect caption. You're not gonna get all the likes and comments on day one. Just start putting stuff out there. Start producing stuff. You know, you'll learn over time what's engaging and what's not engaging, um, what works and what doesn't work, and then you'll be able to tweak it from there. Like the podcast, it it was just me and people having conversations for quite a while. It wasn't anything that great for at least half a year and then all of a sudden it just started gaining traction. Right. You know, a lot of that was me bringing on guests. Mm. Um, and then, you know, one guest leads to another guest. And, right. and they're they, going to promote it if too. If they have a good time, then they know somebody and then they, they refer someone and then they refer somebody and then so it's it, not it all builds on you. up over time. No, it's not all me. It's, I mean, it shouldn't be. Well, I'm the common denominator, obviously. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I am special. Right. <laughs> not really. But essentially, like, but, yeah, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't rely on yourself to, to make it grow to the size it is because you mm -hmm. need other people. You need your partners. Right. You need the... Yeah, it, so, I mean, with the podcast in particular, and if there's anyone out there that's actually trying to grow a podcast, I think the thing I learned the most is consistency. Like, you have to be consistent with it. Whatever you decide it's going to be, be committed to that and make it happen. Like, I've committed to having a podcast go out every single Wednesday, no matter what. Mm. And I took it a step further saying that I was going to have a guest on every single Wednesday mm. in the beginning that's very hard because you just don't know anybody right. and you just are reaching out like crazy trying to make more connections and get people on so you think it'll lead to more and more and now I'm at the point where 
people are inquiring to be on. People are constantly sending me stuff and I don't have to reach out anymore. Like if I reach out, it'll be me going on Twitter saying, hey, I, like this past week I was like, okay, I noticed that I didn't have enough women on the podcast for the last couple months and it's just kind of been all dudes. And I'm like, I, I got sexist person. I know. Yeah. I know. So, oh I, so I thought I'd mix it up, went on Twitter and I'm like, uh, tagged some uh, lovely women that have been on the podcast in the past that have had a good time and that we've had good conversations with and um, asked them if they had any recommendations and my, my Twitter blew up for a couple days with tons and tons of people um, and it's fantastic to have that too and now I, I went from being like okay who am I going to have on next Wednesday to having my entire month filled up right now so all of that took what six months six to twelve months I think it took me about six months before I started getting the downloads, before I started getting the plays, and for it to actually get some relevancy in the blockchain space. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, because it's about a year now um, that I started it and started taking it seriously and committed myself to it. And it's at a point now where it's consistently doing well in terms of plays and downloads, and it's growing every day very slowly. Um, and it's been incredibly easy to find guests because everyone wants to come on and have a conversation. Now, the really cool thing about podcasts is that it's very mutually beneficial. Sure. So, I mean, if I have a podcast, and I do have a podcast, we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're not just, I thought we were just having a conversation. Yeah, we're having conversation, but this conversation is gonna benefit us both. Yeah. There's gonna be a large amount of people that do follow my podcast that are gonna learn about Clement, mm. and they're gonna be interested in Clement, and they will want to know more about Clement. This is good for, for you. At the same time, it's another guest for me, it's another way for me to keep my commitment to my audience and to grow my podcast. There's no money being exchanged, there's no service being exchanged, we're exactly. just two friends having conversation. Exactly. That's the amazing thing about podcasts. It's another reason why so many people want to do them because they're easy. All you do is just have a conversation. Right. You were saying this to me the other day about how you don't even need a video camera, right? I no. Mean, and I've thought about it a billion times and some people have even asked me and I'm like, well, I, I just don't see the point. Like, I, you know, I put this stuff on YouTube too and I get zero traction on YouTube, but once it hits Spotify, it blows up, mm. you know, and the future of consuming content, it's, it's all about... Um, accessibility, you know, and convenience. Um, we were talking about that earlier, but like you want to be able to consume conf con content, confidence. Yeah, I want to consume, consume confidence, confidence too, man. <laughs> <laughs> if got any to eat, I'll take it half. I'll be plate of confidence. <laughs> um, but no, we're all trying to consume content, but we're all trying to fit it into our schedules realistically. So the great thing about audio, you can listen to it anywhere. In, in your headphones and without having to really do much else. You can listen yeah. to it in the car, in yeah. the shower, on the run, at the gym, yeah. um, at, at work when you're not supposed to be, in yeah. class when you're not supposed to be. Right. <laughs> All these places. <laughs> you're, you're not We're supposed not to trying to, to influence people here or anything, <laughs> but, but I mean, you could. Everyone's got headphones in nowadays. Everyone's glued their phone. I mean, audio is incredibly easy to consume. Just turn off the music for Super a Super low-hanging fruit. You can even sign up for Amazon uh, Prime, uh, get an Audible account, mm -hmm. and you get a free credit every month yeah. uh, to download any audiobook you want. And that's a book. I mean, the podcasts are free. They're on Spotify. It's They're a book on... that you have forever that you'll never lose. Uh-huh, exactly. And it'll never age. Unless Amazon goes out of business, which yeah. looks highly unlikely at this point. I don't think Amazon's <laughs> going out of business. They might jump interplanetary. Right. They're not going down. They're going up. 
Oh my god. I mean, that's a whole another conversation. Interplanetary well, travel, from where interplanetary we commerce. I mean, yeah. It'd be cool to. Yeah, it'd be cool to be an interplanetary pioneer. Right. I'm. I'm a. I'm a personal brand known on four worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that would work because I imagine the internet would be very slow if we were on Mars. I don't even think it would be the like internet. Like if I posted anymore. something and it was going back to Earth, I don't wouldn't that take a few hours? Yeah, we'd have to figure out a different way of doing it. I, I, I think you just have your own Mars version of Facebook and Instagram and and YouTube. That would suck though, because Mars YouTube would be pretty boring. <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing out there. All the backgrounds are the same, just rocky, like empty, wide, vast. But I mean, expanses. if you think about it, let's say, let's say commercially, you could go to Mars. Like, obviously, there are a lot of human essentials, but there's a lot of, like, business in the digital era that would do very well on Mars, like photography, for example. Imagine the photography that you could take and that you could sell on Mars Shutterstock. Hmm. It'd be pretty incredible because I mean the only thing that we rely on are things that come back from these satellites and rovers and whatnot. But imagine if you could go out there with your cannon and just take pictures and go crazy. Yeah. Imagine the things people would come up with. Yeah. I mean it would be up. Maybe you could get a selfie with all the Martians if you're lucky, but <laughs> <laughs> with the transformers underneath uh, yeah. the rock. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a that's a fascinating aspect of our of our development today I'm, I'm very excited I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see you know another world but it looks like it's highly likely I think you will in it's, this lifetime it's gonna happen soon uh, yeah. yeah I mean commercial trips to to the moon will be very real probably in 10-15 years because mm-hmm. um, it's already starting to happen um, we already got a new space race going between companies instead of countries now if you can believe it I can believe that 100% um, yeah you know, it won't be too much longer before we're actually going to Mars. I think it's a lot safer with it being, you know, a privatized kind of race rather than a global, national race. You know, as long as Elon Musk <laughs> and Jeff Bezos stay alive, I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen sooner than we think. Mm. Commercial trips to Mars. Because, I mean, you don't need to, like, terraform Mars or change its environment or anything right. like that. Yeah, nothing serious. You, you just need to create... Like like a dome, <laughs> or or something underground, or in a crater maybe. I think British people terraform different countries. They do. <laughs> they they they, they put their Irish pub there, and then their they, little tea. And yeah. <laughs> South of Spain is just you know one long terraform. I'll tell you coast. what, we did not want your tea in 1776. Right. Okay. Although you know, highly popularized Earl Grey tea was uh, Captain Picard in uh, Star Trek. So yeah. Nowadays, whenever anyone thinks about Ogre tea, it's just uh, it's just one of those things, man. You drink a lot of tea? I, I don't, but I have. I just don't well, anymore. <laughs> I ha- have I drank tea? Yes. Do I drink tea? <laughs> no. It's one of your favorite expressions. <laughs> yes, it's how you get out of any conversation. <laughs> yeah, man. Have I, I been to the gym? Yes. Am I, I at the gym? No. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I drink more coffee now than I drink anything regularly. Mm-hmm. I would say, apart from obviously water, I mean, that's the number one, but coffee, coffee and being in Medellin in Colombia, there's some amazing coffee brands out here. Well, I mean, some of the best coffee cheap in the world. Cheap as chips as well. Yeah. Yeah. And cheap. Cheap as well. Another thing I like about Medellin is your currency goes so far. Like, I, I went to Coruya today mm. and I decided... No, you didn't. I did, you? again. Oh my God. 
I went to good it's old like the Korea. the 60th time you've been there. <laughs> you've been there far more than I have. I can Korea is that. like the Whole Foods. Of it is. It is the Whole Foods of Colombia, and it is same quality. In fact, I think it's better quality because everything's Could local, be. and anything yeah. local here is probably far better than quote unquote local in America. Yeah. So it's healthier. The avocados are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no avocado shortage. Um, people are super nice and helpful. Um, and it's cheap too. Like I spent five dollars and had the same kind of hot meal I could get at Whole Foods mm. for twenty dollars. And I'm not joking. Like I go to I take the same box that I had today and go to Whole Foods, fill it up. It cost me twenty bucks, and that's without anything else. It's a hell of a lot of money. I go into Korea, I get yeah. the same box, fill it up with good food, and it's it's less than five dollars. Less than five dollars. And yeah. then I can get a drink for like a dollar, less than a dollar, yeah. anything I want basically. I'm just like. It's paradise. It is paradise. It's like, how can that possible? How can that be possible? And you kind of think about. <laughs> it, it, you see, if only the first more people world, knew, though. That's the thing. If only more people right. knew that there are these places you can go. They're scared to come here. That, right. That's mostly what it is. That you know, the media portrays it is completely different. You know, Netflix portrays it as completely different. If we're talking about Colombia specifically, I'm not saying that you know, Colombia is safe. I'm not saying that by any means. Well, I'm not saying I'm that just, LA is safe right, either. Right. I'm telling you. I mean, I. Beverly Hills is like a couple blocks from Skid Row, and it's pretty damn bad. I can walk for an hour here and not see shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, there'll be someone on the street with their um, with their um, kid and their lunch bag and having a bad time, but I mean, it's it's nothing compared to what I've seen in the inner cities in America. It's terrible. That's a really good uh, uh, kind of analogy right there because... Mm-hmm. I think people don't realize just how bad yeah. their their current environment is. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of lies. A lot of lies. There are a lot of lies out there. But people just they don't see it. Yeah. You're, you know, you're you're in a bubble in America specifically. You're it is a bubble, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of the poverty that exists in America and a lot of the problems you just don't see. We're good at hiding it. Here, they're not good at hiding it. <laughs> they have the same corruption, the same <laughs> bullshit. But I mean, at least the people. There's know. no rug. <laughs> we can't put it under anywhere, <laughs> right? America, we have a rug. Here we, here we don't. We just got cobblestones and <laughs> whatnot. But I mean, it's really not that bad. Like I mean, I don't even have to be in Poblado. I could just walk through like the barrios or some some neighborhoods that are just a little bit more questionable. Or I, I, I've walked under the cable car through the impoverished areas. Not a problem. In fact, they come out and play with you, and the kids kick the soccer ball to you, and you have a good time. Yeah. Like unless you're looking for trouble, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Like there's there's no real issues, um, at least compared to what you'd have if if you're walking through um, a more poor, destitute area of L.A. or Vegas or another inner city where I would just definitely get shot and robbed. You know, this is funny, right? Because now I'm thinking about. Uh, those 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 kids or young people that it's not even young people sometimes it's people who are older than me and they're 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 basically wondering what they should do with their life right if you're in a situation like that i would recommend that you buy a ticket out of the country you're in and just go and see somewhere completely different right it's going to be one of the most eye-opening experiences you've ever had you know, we talked about that, too, the first day you got here, too. We talked about getting out of that bubble, you know, and once you get to the edge of that bubble, it's hard to break out. Mm. But, you know, definitely you have to travel, yeah. especially when you're young and you can do it. And yeah. You can, and you have the energy and 
you can put up with the things you see and have to, mm-hmm. have to learn. Um, but it's, you'll be surprised how, like, if you're from America, you'd be surprised how much the world sees America as just this giant empire that, you know, is not that great. Um, and that all the lies you've been told about some of these amazing places in the world that you thought were just absolute third world countries. Colombia is not a third world country. Mm-hmm. It, mo- I've seen a lot of Latin America. I've been to Brazil. Yeah. I've, I've been to Argentina. I, I'm obviously in Colombia. I've been to Panama, even not Central America, I guess. Um, and a lot of other places in Latin America I still want to go, but it, this is not a third world continent. You know, this is a continent that's seeing a lot of uh, a huge infusion of money, seeing a lot of investors come in, seeing a lot of tech come in, that have people that have gone through bad shit in the past that want change. And, you know, that's a generational thing that we don't have in America or in other first world countries. You have a generation. Um, I mean, parents, things could be starting now. Yeah, but you have a generation of parents, a generation of kids in countries here like Colombia that want more for their people, yeah, their yeah. country, their values are different. And I'm very bullish on this idea that the hemispheres will flip after we have this upcoming market disaster. Right. You know, I think a lot of first world countries are going to have some major setbacks. And I think it'll be an opportunity for a lot of second world countries that are developing right now, like Colombia, to make incredible strides in terms of being a place to live. It's 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 a lot to do with the mindset, isn't it? I mean, has a lot to do when you're fed up with something and you're not going to put up with that anymore. You're going to do whatever it takes, and I don't think where you come from or where I come from are in that situation. They may be soon, Mm -hmm. or not soon, but they may be. (laughs) They may be starting to get pressured. To, give to you, change. To give you an idea, Medellin, just a little over 20 years ago, 25 years ago, was the most dangerous city in the world. Mm. Do you feel unsafe? <laughs> I don't. Like, it, it's incredible to know that. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I've done tours. You know, I've, I've done a lot of research into it. And I've learned so much about... Uh, what happened back then in the past and the things they've had to overcome and how Basically how bad it Narcos. really... Yeah, I also binge-watched <laughs> Narcos, too. Like, I got as full of a picture as I could. Yes. Um, I, f- I learned far more, actually, going on some of these tours, too, because they love taking um, foreigners on these tours and teaching them about how proud they are of their country right, and right. the things they've overcome and, right. and the good things, as, lo- as well as the bad things. Um and you can just see it in the people. Like, they just, it's the people that have really changed Medellin and that have changed Colombia in a lot of ways. It's, it's not luck and it's not just osmosis of technology coming down here. It's the people wanting to actually have a different lifestyle, not just for themselves, but their kids. And they're willing to push and hustle for that. And you can see that in the people on the streets. And you can see it um, when, when they fight to get rid of certain far-right regimes and paramilitary groups and socialism um, and against um, different narco groups and stuff like that. They've done a lot to try and get rid of that, to create amnesty, to free things up and create a better society. And now Medellin is one of the top tourist destinations in all of Latin America. And in my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of my friends who are as smart as I am, might be one of the best up-and-coming cities in the world yes and it's incredible incredible progress in uh two three decades to actually see that 
Yeah. So if, I mean, if that's actually the likelihood, another 20 or 30 years, what's Medellin going to look like? Because right now they're building straight up like they crazy. Are. The yeah. population has doubled in a very short period of time, yes. like millions. And they got so much money coming in, so much tech, so much business and startups. And, you know, um, on the on the topic of these kind of upcoming cities, and Estonia seems to be quite an interesting place too. I mean, mm -hmm. I know very little about it, but I did read some reports about how the startup ecosystem is blooming there, and it's because they had the ability or the opportunity to kind of rewire their infrastructure mm -hmm. fairly easily uh, after, obviously, like quite a lot of fighting and um, hard times. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas you know more developed nations don't really have that opportunity because they're already kind of locked into their uh, legacy systems, but they've they've fully embraced Bitcoin I think or, or cryptocurrency and yeah. uh, and and they're using a lot more digital kind of ways of let's say for example registering a business in Estonia is incredibly easy doing your taxes in Estonia is incredibly easy mm -hmm. something like two hours to do your whole tax return so um, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, not two hours. I mean, like, uh, sorry, a few minutes. What am I talking about? Well, it wasn't I mean, two I know hours, how long minutes. it takes us to do our tax returns. So, I mean, it, <laughs> anything less yeah. than how long it takes. No, honestly, actually, incredible. a few minutes. So, there are places that if you do the research, you can find uh, maybe perhaps are going to be incredibly good investments. I think what I like most about Columbia are these coffee candies. <laughs> coffee candies. <laughs> They're so fucking good. I haven't even tried this stuff. But, but no, it's, it's interesting. It's not just Colombia, not just Latin America, but it almost feels like the entire southern hemisphere of this planet. Whether you're talking about Southeast Asia, you're talking about the potential in India with how young their population is on average, you're talking about um, certain places in Africa. Um, there, there's so many different areas in where countries have moved out of that third world country stage and are developing, but are developing like crazy, you know? And all it takes is one legacy financial system to collapse for all of that to completely flip and change. Mm. You know, I feel far safer here in Colombia or Latin America than I do in America with all the stuff that's going on. Because I know that when the markets crash up there, when things get bad, um, when things start falling apart, it's not going to be quite the same here. Yeah, there might be some impact, but I mean, I, I feel like some of these countries are really just primed to break out and, you know, have the world kind of shift in terms of where the interest is, where the tourism is, where the money is going. And I can feel it happening. It's, I'm waiting for it. It's interesting. Okay. It's like this for me. The more you practice something, the better you get at it. Right. These people have been through so much for so long. Mm -hmm. they're just fucking good and they're they're resilient mm -hmm. so if something bad happens like that they can deal with it right but we're a little entitled mm -hmm. some of us and so right. that's unfortunate because there's some hard times coming I, I I believe and we're not as resilient as we think we are we're not we're relying we're reliant on way too much especially technology mm -hmm. and I feel bad Ugh. <laughs> I was just gonna say, what what is this? Because it's this like is... caramel with like coffee. And I was yeah. like, I need water, dude. I'm I, I, losing my ability to speak. I usually don't take well the people who like coffee candy, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you off with what that one. <laughs> yeah, um, but like I, I feel bad for these inner cities though because they rely heavily on 
this convenience, this um, reliance on technology. And what happens when that gets shut off? What, ha what happens when an EMP goes off or the dam stops churning? What, what happens when um, you have massive coronavirus breakout mm. in a city mm. full, full of thousands and thousands of um, those that are living on the streets that don't have access to health care and they're living in close proximity with each other that aren't healthy? What happens when that starts growing and you are in? Right, and it's not like the signs out there. It's not like the signs out there. It's not like this is an Alex Jones no, podcast. No, no, I is, mean, this is really I, I just, the writing's on the wall with yeah. some of this. And if and if you step back and really look at it, the, some of these areas are just primed to have huge, huge problem. And I, I feel bad for the inner cities because I think they're going to get the hardest. I think a lot of rural, rural areas will be relatively fine, but these inner cities are going to get hit harder than they've ever been hit before because it's not just the value in the dollar, the stock market, or any of that, which is a huge issue, but it's what happens when you rely heavily on technology and mm -hmm. the internet mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. automation and it disappears right. for any prolonged period of time. That disrupts everything far more than the dollar will. And yeah, the, the, the dollar having currency fall apart, yeah, is a huge issue. That's what causes major hyperinflation and depressions and recessions and all that, but I'm far more worried about lifestyle falling apart. So what do you think people can do to protect themselves as much as possible before the worst stop comes to happen? Stop relying so much on on what's making you comfortable and start, well, do one, start going out one doing things that yeah. make you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, just know what the reality is. The reality is not that you live in a bubble. The, the reality is that that bubble is going to pop at some point. That's what happens with all bubbles. They do pop. Yeah. And we're living in a very comfortable worldwide, com comfortable first world tech internet bubble in a lot of ways. It's just, there's too much convenience. Yeah. There's too much convenience for, for this to be a good thing. And it, utopias don't work. There's so you think a, it's, yeah, complacency. There's a reason why utopias don't work. And every time you get close to some type of utopian society, it always falls apart. Right. And I think mostly these inner cities across the world, not just America, are going to feel it big time. Mm. Um, and, but I also think that there will be some incredible opportunities, especially for um, not just business and not just those living out in rural areas and that have access to resources and land and things like that, but these countries that, you know, are growing tremendously right now and have a different mindset and, you know, that aren't highly dependent on that but you know aren't actually tied as much to these legacy systems mm. so less damage that that's why i say i feel like the hemispheres will flip because yeah. it feels like a lot of these developing countries just are in the southern hemisphere and i feel like a lot of the western east, eastern culture and these first world countries are in the northern hemisphere and it's I'm like i feel like things are just going to flip mm. I just don't think Americans in LA are as resilient yeah. as uh, people Indeed. that live here yeah. in Medellin. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Like, if I had to pick between the two, I'd pick these people. <laughs> right. And I I know both very well. I was in LA for four years. Mm. Those people aren't resilient, and I, I love LA. I'm mm. not saying they're bad people, but, but come on. <laughs>
the writing's just so much on the wall. If you if you can't see it, then you're not looking, or choosing not to look. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like we need to learn from each other a lot more. You know, when it comes to, and be honest. I mean, a lot of things that I'm. I would say I'm pretty good at are talking about human issues, mm -hmm. the way we communicate, the way we feel, the way we represent ourselves. Um, and a lot of the problems that I see today can most likely be traced back to not just parenting, um, but, you know, like just more social skills or lack thereof, like a deficit. Relationships. Yeah, a deficit. Well, it could be rela relationships <laughs> between people. Exactly. It doesn't have to be intimate relationships. No, relationships between people, interpersonal relationships. Interpersonal relationships. Um, which is why you know soft skills is, is going to be such an important thing um, mm -hmm. but 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 I just see that people have a real problem being themselves yeah you know what I mean well like, that's what happens when you grow up talking to your friends on on your Xbox your entire life <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that you've never met dude I used to be a gamer and so that's that's the problem I have with gamers I think I, mean, I, I know exactly what and I'm not trying to shit on gamers or anything and they probably are well aware of it too but so you're saying you you kind of you stunted your growth at that point i think it does stunt your growth the more that you buy into gaming so and this, this online world right. of interaction if you if you don't go out and get some sun like if I'm, there's plenty of people that are that are very smart and do very well and they're gamers and they get out and they socialize and yeah. they have a life outside of just their computer yeah yeah that's that's totally fine I'm not shitting on those people but like if you're just sitting in your room and in, in your free time and just online and your friends are primarily online and you're not going out and socializing you're not going out and getting some sun it's like going to the gym isn't it it is but it's part of being alive is is life it's not just this artificial reality that we're creating you know you have to get out and walk around and move mm. absorb some sun talk to people yes. you know it's amazing how much life how better life is when you when you're going out with some random mexicans at 4 a.m <laughs> in medellin rather uh, rather yes, than yes. just sitting at home and, yes. and feeling sorry for that's yourself. a really great <laughs> example that is a very good example exactly i, I didn't even want to do that I was happy just sitting there on, on my terrace alone the other day, mm -hmm. but I got called over by this dude who was obviously intoxicated and had maybe been smoking some herbs, I'm not sure, and some I went over, for some fine herbs, fine selection here in, in Colombia, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I went over. Now, I wouldn't have done that maybe five years ago or, or mm -hmm. whenever. I, I used to have a social anxiety disorder. Yeah. So... This was actually a symptom of spending too much time gaming. <laughs> We're coming full circle here. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't exercise the muscles for a few years while I was in the university, and so I found it very difficult to be in situations socially. And you learn from being around other people a lot. Not, mm. not entirely, but a, a lot you do. And, and I think it's an essential part of life. So... Just, yeah, having an open mind. I would say the more you feel against something that isn't clearly bad for you, right? the more you should do it. Well, there's just something different about having a conversation with someone in person. Um, you know, it, it's this like idea of a connected consciousness. Like when you're having a conversation, ideas are, are flowing in between you. There's no 
there's really no space in between. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's why people feel different when they talk to someone on the phone. That's right. why they feel different when they they freak out over a text message. Do you believe people do that though? Freaking out in, in the way that over they, over oh, a text. message. Oh, you mean like oh, what did you say? Like, like why did someone you say that? sent you some random symbols? Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're freaking out because you have no idea what the context is. Dude, the amount of times that I've <laughs> I've messaged someone and they've misinterpreted what I'd said because mm-hmm. it's just text. Exactly. If I if it was there in person, they would have seen from my body language, my tone of voice, and my energy that I wasn't actually meaning what they thought I was meaning. Yeah. So yeah, and, you know, even over the phone, yeah, you can hear someone's the tone of someone's voice and and you know what they're trying to convey but you can't see it's their different body typing language. you're an asshole compared to saying you know like, what you're, if you're I, an asshole but it's, like okay. it's different like if i call you an asshole over the phone i mean you're like okay well you're an asshole too but like if i call you an asshole in person you might start sweating who knows <laughs> or maybe you'll fight me yeah. like it's completely True. different like our, our expressions the way we convey ourselves and the the, the energy that we put out you don't really get that over the phone you don't get that over text or gaming or mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. it's just it's just not the same, like, e- even in emails. Like, <laughs> yes. And I've had great conversations over email, but still, <laughs> it's nothing compared to face-to-face having a conversation. Another reason why I like doing podcasts and why I, I'd love to have more people in person do these podcasts. Yes, it which makes isn't it so easy. It makes it so much easier because it's just normal conversation. Yes. And it's okay to do it over, over the phone or online, which I, I do, but, I mean, being able to, you know consciously engage with somebody yeah like we're doing right now we're just sitting here on a table eating coffee sweets and, I, yeah uh, I don't have a notepad out I don't have anything out right. I'm just we're just kind of it's talking just freestyling about, about and it's like a normal conversation you'd have with with anyone um, and that's what makes it so 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 organic um, but but yeah like I was saying I, I just feel like people are so scared of mm-hmm. being vulnerable and I don't know if that's uh, a, a universal uh, issue that's happening but I know that in like for example North America and in the UK we're kind of taught not to show our true feelings because you know we well, you, don't, hard. you don't have to we, you live in a world nowadays where everything's it's comfortable to be either alone or locked up in, in your um, in your casa and, mm. <laughs> you know and mm. not have to actually physically engage with people as often as you had to back in the day yeah yeah, I mean, so school shootings, all right? I'm not going to talk about this, okay. really, but I'm just bringing it up as an example. Okay. Uh, there's shootings. a comedian that I subscribe to uh, on Instagram. Is this what makes you think of school shootings? <laughs> no, not this one particularly. This is a particularly large guy who uh, is, is doing uh, pull-ups with someone between his legs. But oh, Okay, um, cool. This comedian is a very, very funny guy. I can't remember the name of the comedian. Maybe I'll, I'll figure it out before the end of the podcast. But mm-hmm. he's Mexican. Yep. And he's saying that when he grew up, all right, people would just like say it how it is and they would tease you. And that's just part of the culture. You, right. you wouldn't be able to run away from being criticized. But it was all for the, better, for the greater good because that's just, that's just what people do when they want you to be better, when they want you to shed this idea of yourself, this ego that you're building up, you know, snap out of it. You know, I'm going to tease you. I'm going to make it like friendly, but at least you know that you're fucking up and you need to change. Um, and he was saying that because he lives in the U.S., uh, he really believes that a lot of this angst that's uh, with kids or younger people today is caused by the fact that they didn't have that kind of hard knock life when they were right. grown up. And and so I think it's an incredibly important ingredient 
and yeah. developing. No, I think a lot of that can be solved too by just going out. And you know, some, sometimes it's easy to do that with a friend too. Not everyone's comfortable on their own going out and finding a friend group and meeting people. I mean, that can always give you a lot of anxiety because you don't know who you're going to meet. And you're kind of just that's it, right? But, you're just taking a leap. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if you have a friend, I mean, just take your friend and just go out and go for a little adventure, be spontaneous. You know, you'll be be pretty uh, surprised um, where that can lead. Like here, especially too. Like once you meet someone here, it always leads to meeting another person or another person, and then you're at one place, and then you're at place B, C, D, doing all these different do, activities. You know what you're doing, Colombian so, and smack, and you're pretty, pretty sure there's white powder on the table. And, and, <laughs> one and, thing and led to another. And some herbs. And, <laughs> Mom, and, I'm in jail. <laughs> <laughs> in Colombia. <laughs> I don't know, man. One thing led to another. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, the only the only, only way that I was able to cure my social anxiety was to actually be social. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 actually Some, obvious. Sometimes it's just the key. Just do it anyways. Do it anyway. Because Everyone tries to come up with these solutions and cures and um, classifications to just accept it, and I'm just like, well, why don't you just go out? Yeah. Why don't you just say fuck it and go out? And just... I mean, everyone's strong enough. Everyone's strong enough to do it. You know, it's whatever it's whatever they believe. Like I didn't know, I really didn't know anyone in Colombia when I came here alone for the first time. And really, I, and I didn't know anybody in Argentina in Buenos Aires. That's a big fucking city. Yeah, I didn't know anybody there when I went there for the first time. I didn't even know you were gonna be here when I booked my ticket. Uh, I was, so you're the only person I Surprise. knew. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah, but hey, I mean that. I have a pretty good time getting to know you and having conversations yeah, man, and whatnot. Been amazing. So I mean, and that's that's the beauty about having these interpersonal conversations and relationships. You learn so much rather sure. than just over Instagram. Um, but I I was terrified to travel to the other side of the planet alone mm. with nobody I knew um, in a country I've never been. It's it's very tough to do that. Mm. But I'm telling you, once you do it at least once. It, you don't care anymore mm -hmm. because in everything else is you compare to that and you're like okay well I went uh, 15 hours to uh, Buenos Aires and knew absolutely nobody all on my own and I was fine mm -hmm. so okay I'll go to Chicago next week yeah like <laughs> it makes yeah. everything else seem so easy and then you just you, that anxiety is just gone yeah, like because it's like under your belt, and you're that guy that Absolutely. went. You're that guy Absolutely. that went to Buenos Aires. I would say the biggest leaps in personal growth are the ones that are the you know feel the hardest to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna get up on stage and talk to five people or a thousand people, I'd say just do it with a thousand. Just do it with a thousand. Get it over and done with. Fail big. <laughs> exactly. That's a joke. You don't go have big or go home. Yeah. Like, if you are terrified of speaking, and then put yourself in. An incredibly scary speaking environment and do it and then after you do it you know 999 people is gonna feel like nothing exactly you know if you get in front of a hundred people you're gonna be making fun of them or that roller coaster <laughs> that you've always been scared of taking and, and you're standing in the line well don't do that because then it'll make all the other roller coasters suck and you won't have a good time so just don't well, get, you mean like taking the worst one get on the big roller coaster at the end of the day that that's okay I'm not gonna make theme park comparisons. I think it's very difficult for, for someone to just go and suddenly put themselves in front of a million people. When it comes when it comes to fun, to don't with. when it comes to fun, you don't need to ruin the fun for everything else in your <laughs> life. But when it comes to your fears and anxiety um, and being social, that's different. You well, bro, definitely need to 
take the leap. Maybe people shouldn't come to Medellin first then. I think it's a good place to start, honestly. Do you? I mean, I'm not saying they have to take a one-way ticket to Nantucket <laughs> or, or bumfuck nowhere, but like, there's a lot of fear with Americans about Colombia and going to Colombia. Right. Um, and sure, some of those fears used to be justified. That's exactly why if you're American, you should come to Colombia. Mm. You would be so surprised. Yeah. Everyone that comes here is surprised, and it's just like this is paradise. We don't get that. You see where I where I come exactly. from. Exactly. So, so in, in America, it's like we we look at certain places in certain ways. Like we look at Colombia as this drug ridden country with drug lords and and shit. And, and Cuba. It, what, what what's Cuba it, like now? For oh, you guys? I, I've never been to Cuba, but I mean, we look at Cuba as you know this communist state that hates America and trying right. to kill us. Like. Right as soon as they get the opportunity, probably. <laughs> um, there, there are tons of countries that, you know, America, Americans just look at differently because that's what we're inundated with. That's right. just what we're... That's the policy of the... Yeah, that's the information you yes. get. Yes, yes. You know, it's a problem with being in the American bubble. But don't don't necessarily need to watch the mainstream news all the time. It's, it's weird, though. Once you get out of it and you start seeing these different places and you're like, you look back and you're like, oh my God, my country's been lying to me. Yeah, it's all not good this. to trust a source, single source of information. You shouldn't. You should, you should too diversify. Many people, too many people do that. Yes. It's bad. And, you know, it's not entirely the ordinary citizen's fault when your biggest sources of information are CNN, Fox News. Mm. Um, like, I, I understand that. And it's not like they're being given alternative sources because they don't want you to have alternative sources. <laughs> By um, the way, if you don't but, like CNN, then... Uh, but you should know that, you know, just because you have two options doesn't mean you're outside the bubble. It doesn't mean that you're being diversified. It's not saying... Like, if, if you normally watch CNN, you say, okay, well, I'm open-minded. Now I'm going to watch Fox News. <laughs> There's something funny about that. Why is that funny? Because they're both very mainstream. Yeah. And even though they disagree on politics, they're still for the same thing in the end and promoting similar things. For sure, sure. Um, I, I'll be willing to bet most of the people who, who are listening to this Blockash podcast you have are probably incredibly they're probably lost because we haven't talked at all about blockchain <laughs> and then there's no disclaimer <laughs> well you know you gotta have these kind of wild card I'll, I'll let sometimes. you ask me your blockchain crypto questions at the end and we'll do some fun with that yeah for sure man. I'm sure there's a lot of things you have questions on yeah but it's been um, it's been it's been really interesting uh, learning about uh, everything that's going on here in Medellin I do agree with you I think it's a hot spot and I, for for investment, mm-hmm. I'm actually very interested in yeah. getting my hands on a property here. Hopefully, but then you told me earlier that that's going to be not as easy as maybe I thought. It depends. Um, honestly, if you want to stay here a prolonged period of time, the best way to do it is through B- Airbnb. Mm. And you can do that through Airbnb and get a hell of a deal. Right. And it won't be much more, much less than getting an actual apartment. If you go the route of being a tenant, mm. or and. Uh, and getting uh, an apartment that's either unfurnished or furnished, you're likely going to end up having to be with um, living with a Colombian that owns property because they would have to sign the contract. Right. Um, so as a foreigner, it can be done, but it's more difficult. And honestly, with all the options they have, I would just say get an Airbnb. And you can get some damn good deals on Airbnbs here. And once you find a few you like, 
and you get to know the people. I mean, you can just say, hey, what's the next three, four months look like? Exactly. And they don't, a great way to do it. They don't give a shit if they like you because that's better for them. They get paid no matter what. Exactly. They get a good person living there. And, you know, that's the situation I'm in right now, too. I mean, the guy's really nice, and he's got a schedule wide open. And I'm like, can I just extend my trip? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Did you do it through Airbnb, or did yeah. you do it with him? Through Airbnb. And if, and if I do it through Airbnb, I can use all my cards and everything, and it's super easy. Right. I don't have to wire money in or use cash. Sure. It's so, more convenient that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I could stay here indefinitely if my visa allowed me to mm. with this Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And I could just tell him, hey, I'm going to stay here for the year. <laughs> I'm just going to keep <laughs> renewing it. And he'd probably be a, a little concerned, <laughs> but wouldn't care in the end because he's still getting paid. Yeah, he's still getting paid. Right? That's... It's amazing to have a a tenant that that's a, a good tenant that's willing to pay you all that money ahead of time, and then you don't actually have to do anything anymore. Yeah, for so sure. It's one less thing to worry about. Um, so definitely use utilize Airbnb while it exists. <laughs> it's very helpful. Yeah, I did that once with um, with a unit that I was renting in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, took it for like three months or two months uh, to begin with. Yeah. Got to know the landlady, and. Um, and then I basically said to her, look, how much would it cost if we would just do this together? I'm not recommending you do that. I think Airbnb is amazing. Mm-hmm. But you can get some really great deals. It's just the way you tackle it, really, that it makes is. a difference. I wanted to ask you, getting onto the blockchain yeah, go for it. list of questions uh, before we kind of wrap things up, I guess. But um, I asked you earlier about someone um, who had been interviewed and had said that, you know, there are some amazing opportunities coming up for uh, like a specific number of coins because the, mm-hmm. the, the, the market's going to change and perhaps valuations are going to go through the roof. Do you remember who this person was? I'm trying to find <laughs> this guy right now. <laughs> I see you're prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we, we didn't even write anything down, did we? No, we, you kind of just we, showed up half hour late and we just kind of turned it on. <laughs> yeah, but like... Um, yeah, so do you think that there's there's going to be anything that happens of significance soon that's going to f- flip the valuation up? Uh, yeah, I, I think we've already seen that. Um, if you look at, if you just look at Bitcoin, for example, mm. if you look at since the beginning of 2019, um, Bitcoin's already seen a massive turnaround. Yes. Where it's it bottomed itself out at a little under $3,500. It's topped itself out at almost thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars Tika. Ah, uh, Tika. Yeah, so we can talk about Tika. Tika's basically saying that there's five more coins to invest in that are going to have similar kind of... You know, I, I like Tika. I think he's a good guy. Um, and I think there's he's a big very smart. Um, <laughs> and I actually got to listen to him in person in um, Vancouver, BC at the National Resource Symposium yeah. um, by Sprott. Right. Um, it's very interesting. He's very smart. Great background. Um, Tika Tiwari. But I, I think on some things he's just wrong, and he's he has been publicly wrong because um, he, he's taken some big risks. Yeah. Um, and I understand why. I mean, he's got a big popular newsletter, and he's got a big audience. You know, and he's trying to sell newsletters. Exactly. He's trying to sell information. And he's not like lying. But the problem with having a big audience and making predictions in my opinion, is it hurts your credibility. Right. I try not to make predictions. I try to just share information. Um, I think he made a mistake in the middle of 2018 
uh, he was predicting a, a Bitcoin ETF and a Bitcoin comeback and bull run like um, sometime oh. around like mm-hmm. 2000, August 2018, something like that. And I really wasn't sure if that something was actually happen or not, but he was promoting it so heavily. And I think he had like Glenn Beck on too, and he did this whole like web series. Um, I'm not shitting on Tika, but I mean, it, it was a moment where he was uh, definitely very, very wrong, mm. and it continued going downhill. <laughs> um, and um, I, th- I think that's something that in my eyes that kind of hurt my credi- his credibility to me in terms of. Um, allowing him to influence my opinion on the markets. I've always been pretty good at looking at the market and then playing it long term and doing fairly well as long as I don't allow myself to be influenced by someone else's opinion. Right. And I think I got to the point where I was comfortable in 2018 because everything went up so much mm. um, and I had a lot to play with and I was trying to reinvest a lot. And so I was really buying into what he was saying and really trying to Did you personally- take someone else's opinion and so I held on to a lot of things. You Did know? you personally make losses because of that prediction? Um, I won't say if I made losses or not. I'll be nice. But I, I think that there are a lot of people out there that did kind of, that were hoping for that to come back a lot sooner and that were relying on what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I definitely still follow him and listen to him and I take, um, uh, absorb his information and what he puts out, but I don't take it to heart too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think anyone should. And that's a mistake I made just being young. Right. Um, and I found myself far better off taking a diverse amount of information and then starting to put pieces together myself rather than let someone else put that puzzle together. Yeah, that's... Because with, with crypto, uh, with blockchain, it's, it's so young and it's so early. Um, the only thing that has any tenure in the space is Bitcoin mm-hmm. and Bitcoin's been around for 11 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else, it, it's a market that's about five years old. Mm-hmm. There's no history for this market. We don't know where this market's going. We don't know if it's going into the dirt or going into the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like Tika, he's a good guy. But I mean, if, if you're going to listen to other people in the space, definitely have a diverse um, amount of information coming in. Listen to guys like Charles Hoskinson. Listen to guys like Vitalik Buterin. Uh, listen to Dan Larimer. Uh, listen to Brian Hoffman. Like guys that are on the front end of Ethereum and Cardano and Coinbase and uh, mm. Binance or even guys that are a little bit more mar- market uh, gung-ho like Justin Sun with Tron. I mean, it's it's fine. Take in all that information and get a general idea of where the market actually is. And you'll start to see um, from uh, people that are more celebrities in the space, you'll get their opinion. People that are scientists in the space, you'll get their opinion. You know, that stuff will start to mesh and that's how I... Just plot the graph. That's how, yeah. And then you can start plotting this, this graph and figure out what's going on with the market. And mm-hmm. once you can get an idea of what's actually happening in the market, that's when you make better investments. It's not listening and, and buying into what one person's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with Tika, take his information and, and absorb it, but also contrast it with everything else as much as possible and try and round out yourself. Because the last thing you want to do is put all your eggs in one basket. For sure. And then get screwed because you hold too long or you don't sell soon enough or, or whatever. Try to hedge against yourself too. Like hedge against yourself being wrong, hedge against being right. Um, 
play like play the game against yourself too. Like don't allow your ego to get into it. Yeah. Just know what the possible outcomes are. Prepare for all of them if you can. That's that's the best way to go about it, especially in a market that's so damn early. Yeah. There's no roadmap for this. Right. But the rewards are clearly there to be had. The rewards are clearly there, and we've seen little spurts of that. Mm -hmm. we've, we've seen that. You're saying little. Yeah. Because you feel like there's so much little more. because. I know where the technology is going. I just don't know what that time horizon looks like. Yeah. Like if we put everything else to bed and just look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a creator that no one knows. It's completely anonymous. It can never be shut down. It can never be stopped. So what, and what environment would that thrive in? Mm. It, would it would thrive in an environment um, that the same environment it was born in. It was born as a result of the recession that we had in the U.S. So in 2008. Right. Which is, I don't think is coincidence. Um, I, I think there was a lot of influence uh, to create Bitcoin because of that. And there were things prior to Bitcoin that were similar, but I mean, Bitcoin was born out of the recession. It was born out of people being fed up with the banking system. So what happens when we get to that point where the banking system fails us again, when our countries fail us, when our politicians fail us, when um, markets get really, really bad? Where's the money going to actually go? I think people are starting to realize that Bitcoin is, yes, it can be used as a payment, but it also is a symbol, um, a symbol for individuality, a symbol for um, self-sovereignty mm. and control over your own money mm. and your own finances and I think a lot of people in a digital world are going to see that as something as valuable as gold and right. I think we already are starting to see that uh, that's why Bitcoin has never lost its spot that's why it has such a high valuation yeah. um, that's why its trade volume is at record highs despite even where its price is at and we're getting to a point where um, on the technical side um, for Bitcoin to continue operating and existing, we're going to come up to a halving event in May where the, the reward for mining Bitcoin gets cut in half, mm -hmm. which will probably um, force the price to revalue itself to keep the, the mining um, competitive, gotcha. um, to keep it uh, rewarding. Because if that doesn't happen, and then why would anyone want to use Bitcoin? Why would anyone want to? put in the computing power to produce a Bitcoin. There has to be some kind of balance and justification. So Bitcoin is, in some ways, might be undervalued, to be honest. And that's funny to say when something started as pennies and is now worth almost $9,000. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, if you look at it from a, from a different point of view, are we, are we really spending one Bitcoin in the future or are we spending the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin in the future? Well, I'm spending 200,000 Colombian pesos mm -hmm. pretty much for small things. Exactly. So I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah. Yeah. So either Bitcoin, it would take a lot of Bitcoin. Like it could take... Do you think that has so an impact it, on it people went, and their... So like take this for example. It took like yeah. 20,000 Bitcoin to buy a pizza. When, when in its it, early days. In its early days, yeah. And that was the first purchase ever made. Yeah. Um, if, but 20,000 Bitcoin is an insane amount of money today. Absolutely. So, I mean, the inflation, deflation... And was the Bitcoin pizza really well. worth it? That's all I want to know. I want to know who that pizza guy was. Exactly. And he got a tip. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin, I mean, if Bitcoin was worth, 
think if Bitcoin was worth like a million dollars, the smallest denomination would be worth a penny or something like that. Right. So there is potential that it could revalue itself right. um, and fit into that scale. And then if that happens, it would create trillions of dollars in liquidity too for mm, the world. Yes. That's the other side of it. There's a huge potential to push Bitcoin and push Bitcoin's adoption or another cryptocurrency potentially to create liquidity for the world rather than go through like the IMF or something and put countries in debt. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin, it's being start, it's starting to be seen as um, a store of value. And I know that sounds weird because when you think of a store of value, you think of like gold or you think Absolutely. of commodities yeah. or things like that. Um, and Bitcoin's digital, you'll never be able to hold it. You know, it's code, but I mean, it's there forever mm -hmm. in a lot of respects and it, is the technological innovation of money for the first time in history. Sure. We have the, we've had the technological innovation of many, many things. You name it. Um, we haven't had it for money. Currency is not money. That's not the technological innovation of money. That's just an easier way of using. Mm -hmm. But we've dealt money. with this kind of scenario before and it's worked yeah. out. And Yeah. We haven't had an innovation in money since gold itself. Well, there really isn't any re really good reason why gold should be well gold is money but I mean we don't look at it as money anymore because people have forgot what money is right um, and that's a lot of problems have come from the dollar being pegged to gold and then removing it from the gold mm -hmm. standard mm -hmm. and then relying on the dollar as money even though it's not money um, so I, I think most people um, maybe even everybody for the most part is is almost fooled in that way um, the, the dollar has an artificial value to it and it's losing value every single year. That's why in America, if you go to the, the grocery store 10 years ago, you got a full cereal box. 10, ten <laughs> years later, um, the cereal box is half full. I hate it when that happens. Exactly. So either they can raise the price on the cereal to adjust for inflation or they can put less cereal in. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason why you're getting less chips in your chip bag. Yeah. It's like three now. Yeah. <laughs> for the same price. I'd rather just have it be more expensive because it's really annoying to buy <laughs> really a whole silly. bunch of chips. <laughs> yeah. I actually breathe the air. I, I want to make the most of the money that I've spent. So I, I breathe that air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, out of all of the interviews that you've done mm -hmm. on the Blockhash podcast, which ones really stood out to you as being, and we don't want to put anyone down, but we're, I'm just curious as to which so ones the best and worst really stood out. Yeah. Uh, clearly the worst one <laughs> is this one. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I'll say that I love all my guests equally and we've had fantastic conversations and it'd be almost impossible for me to pick one. But I mean, there are some that stand out um, that I think are just very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have favorites, but there are some that I find very, very interesting. Um, I did one with Hashgraph, Hash, Hashgraph recently, Hedera Hashgraph, uh, with their creator Lehman. And you know, Hashgraph has always been like this alternative to what blockchain can be um, and a different way of going about it and accomplishing mm. the same goal. And a lot of people have never really taken Hashgraph seriously. Um, but I mean, after having him on and talking to him and realizing what it can do and the potential for it. Hashgraph is an alternative to blockchain. It is an alternative to blockchain. It is not blockchain, but it um, solves the same problems. And in their opinion, it's better than blockchain. So there's a different flavor. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's different. 
um, but solves the same problems and supposedly better maybe. Right. I, th I think what I what's most interesting about that is that this is not um, a blockchain um, industry that we're looking at. We're looking at this new finan digital financial industry. Yes. And I, I don't, there's so many terms that people have created, like fintech, decentralized finance, blockchain, none of it really seems to like fit right. Gotcha. Um, but knowing that there are, this, this blockchain technology, and then that there's alternative to what the blockchain, uh, or com competition to what the blockchain is, yeah. and different ideas to compete with the idea of blockchain itself, as even blockchain gets better. Um, I think that is the most one of the most interesting things I have ever really had a conversation about on the podcast was um, not all the amazing things we can do with blockchain, but how it's going to have some serious competition, and how this is under a much bigger umbrella than what we have thought. Right. Um, and I think we're in for a not just a digital financial revolution, but um, a full-on digital revolution because what you can do with all of these I mean if you could clump them all together is create decentralization so decentralization, real real decentralization everything yeah real decentralization um, what does that look like to you that world no middleman there's no one in between I don't think I've ever really thought you. about that well, I mean I've never have you ever used of... Bitcoin I have yes then you've experienced it Right, I've experienced it, but I've never thought about a world where there's no middleman. That's what I mean, uh, and, and that that seems so. I mean, it it, it it sounds liberating. It would be very real in a digital world, and is why VR is getting so big because these technologies, yes, they can be used in the real world, but they can also be used in a virtual world. So there are two different fronts on which they can um, grow on. Right. Um, in the real world it's almost impossible to get away from centralization, but you can make things more decentralized. Um, and the more you do that, the better. You could eliminate competition between companies completely and allow both companies to flourish, right. which sounds crazy because competition is how companies flourish. Right. You could take away a middleman in an interpersonal process and still have the process. You could create a contract that no one is arbitrating except for the contract itself. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a nosebleed right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the world we're moving into, and those are the things blockchain can do. Um, and it's part of automating and part of taking away um, all the problems and logistics that come with everything in the middle of getting your damn pizza. Like, when I call and order a pizza, it's fairly simple and easy, but I mean, they gotta make it, they gotta drive here, they gotta get through my gate, they gotta knock on my door, I gotta answer my door. Like, imagine if you could get a pizza without that entire process. Do you know what I just imagined right now? I don't know why, but like, I imagined the pizza as like a being, and you're just literally calling the pizza, and the pizza's like, yeah, I'll come over. Are you high? <laughs> How many verbs have you had today, Clement? Dude, man, it's just a... I'm, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. you got any pepperoni? I just, I've always... <laughs> yeah. Want to come over? What are you, what are you wearing tonight? Oh, <laughs> uh, just a bit of mozzarella. And, uh... <laughs> well, why don't you put on some pepperoni and come on over? <laughs> I just never thought about buying a pizza without having, you know, Papa John's 
actually make it and supply it. But it is a bit mind-blowing. I think it takes a lot for people to get their head around how this actually works, mm-hmm. um, which is why podcasts like this are really good. But yeah, I, it, like if someone was going to start investing in cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. for the first time, sure. How? What would be the best? Because it's quite complicated. So, so I can't give investment advice directly. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I never will because I don't think anyone should do that, period. I think everyone should always make their own decisions. Um, but in terms of providing information so you can make your own decision, yeah. Um, and what I have done in the past, actually the first thing I have ever invested in in blockchain was uh, Litecoin um, because I felt like, because I missed Bitcoin mm-hmm. and I saw Litecoin, I thought there, there could be some parity. So I bought a whole bunch of Litecoin, eventually lost all my Litecoin. I'm mad I lost on my Litecoin. <laughs> I've been deeply angered in my life ever since. <laughs> um, and then the next thing I seriously invested in was Ethereum because I realized that with blockchain, um, it's it's not about the fi- just the financial aspect. Bitcoin is something that is built sure. on the blockchain. Sure. You can build other things that aren't financial methods on the blockchain. Yes. And what that's what Ethereum for the first time was presenting. And that eventually created an entire market that we have now, and it's just booming like crazy and growing every single day. And I, that's something I saw very early, and I got involved in very early. Uh, it was like five bucks. What is it now? Um, it, well, a few days ago it was like two eighty. Today it's like two thirty. Okay, so it's, it's been, still relatively. It's been as high as fourteen hundred dollars. Right. Um, so I mean, you could do the math there. If you buy one at seven, sell it fourteen hundred. Yeah, um, it's a nice return. It's a pretty cool return, <laughs> especially when you're a college student. You just you take a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. I won't say how much, right. <laughs> and you just buy some Ethereum. Um, <laughs> but it's um, buy anything. Honestly, learn. I mean, the best way to learn is to lose a little bit. Uh, right. Honestly, in this, um, in this market, it's. You're, the self-sovereignty thing is great, but there are uh, things that you have to learn with that that you've never learned before. No one's looking out for your finances. Like if you hold Bitcoin and you control your accounts, you control the key to your right. account, you're the one and you lose it, yeah. that's your fault. Yeah. Responsibility's on you. There's no customer service. Right. No one's gonna go hunt down someone on, on the other end of that bank wire so that's the double-edged sword of not paying bank fees. It is, but that's how it should be. And yeah. it's our fault as a society for not um, taking that control and that responsibility and relying too much on a middleman or someone else yeah. um, or an institution or a centralized body. So you have to learn that the hard way. If you have 100 bucks, go buy some Bitcoin. Play with it. Send it to somebody. Use it. There's a lot of different things you can use Bitcoin for online in the real world. Um, learn how it works. Just play with it. Worst case scenario, you lose a hundred bucks and you move on with your life. Right. Best case scenario, you find the value in it and you find that you can use it and it is valuable to you and that maybe in time it also goes up in value. Wonderful. That's how you learn in this space. You have to try it. So, Bitcoins is the Obviously, the one you should try first because you can onboard from Bitcoin to anything else, and it's the easiest one to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of investing, 
make your own decision. I'm not going to tell you what to invest in. But, I mean, you should definitely at least consider these projects that are building things. Yeah. This space is not going to be built on just finance. This space is going to be built on the applications you build, the decentralized worlds and games and um, use cases and the, the problems they solve in voting and supply chain and contract disputes and um, insurance and property rights. I mean, the list can go on and on because blockchain can come up with a solution for just about any industry. Mm-hmm. And those solutions are growing every day. Right. So the reason why I've always liked Ethereum is not only just because it's the biggest player in the space in terms of being able to build on a blockchain, they, they have been around for a long time and they're popular and you can build on them and people are building on them. So that's why I've always invested um, some money into Ethereum. That's why I did originally. And that's the things you should look for. You should look for other projects that will compete with Ethereum like Cardano, like <laughs> Tron, like um, EOS, EOS, whatever you, however you say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but look for where people are building. Where's the growth happening? Where are people developing the most? It's not just existing to exist. It's, exactly. There's a reason for it. And yeah, then yeah. once you do that, look at the problems blockchain has and then look at where the solutions are going to be found. Right. That's where you need to invest. Nice. That sounds exactly like what I wanted to hear. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Nice. Cool. Mind blown. <laughs> Any so, other wonderful crypto questions? Uh, honestly, I know very little about it, but I can see yes, on your face. Yes, yes. The, the blood's. I know more about face. alcohol, and we can talk women. about alcohol. <laughs> alcohol and women, I know quite a bit about, but blockchain, not so much. Yeah, I should call you Mister Tinder because you, <laughs> Mister <Mr>. Tinder. <laughs> Actually, Tinder is a really interesting subject. I mean, I don't really know how much longer we have. Maybe we need to do a different episode, but uh, or or some kind of different. We've been going for almost two hours, and I am getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, what time do we have? Even relationships could be a blockchain thing. Um, it's six thirty-seven. No, yeah. Um, I'm getting hungry though. Yeah, we should probably think about. Let, it let's wrap this one up, and we can do a part two. Absolutely, dude. So. Unfortunately for you guys, you have to stay tuned for more bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there will be a part two. And I don't know what will happen in part two, but hopefully we'll mix in some blockchain so you don't get too mad. The the, the cool thing is no one ever knows what's going to happen Or in part two. Or I could just do a whole year. Part twos are usually better, though. I could break this up into 10-minute segments, part one, part two, and just do it every single week all year and just troll my entire audience and just piss everybody that might be a good way to do it that'd be a good way to lose my audience yeah exactly yeah yeah and i would be more than willing to be part of that we'll we'll do a part two anyways stay tuned uh for part two and um bye cheers (laughs) bye bye